Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif. Executive Producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, We are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, athen wasalan. In Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, nangadef. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. Grand Rising. And thank you all for joining us on this Wednesday edition of the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. We are continuing a very critical discussion about housing. How do we address the conflict created by the sudden influx of immigrants and how do we make it fair for those who have been (laughs) struggling with homelessness for years. They've been living outdoors and no one has come to their rescue. So if the government is proposing to assist those who have suddenly appeared on our city streets from another country, then why can't that same assistance be given to the current homeless population? Well, that is a statement being made by so many. And so today we're going to be joined by some building owners who have tried to work with various programs in housing the homeless. And there are some risks, and we're going to continue formulating the document for a cooperative housing agreement to put together a plan that could work and get people off of the streets before the frigid weathers of winter set in and cause real harm. So stay with us. We're going to be right back after this brief message as we bring in our co-host, Kareem Hamid, and later in our show we'll be joined by our guests who've got some experience to share. We'll be right back after this quick break, so stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in a moment. Stay with us.
Radio Solution Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, Self-Cell Care with Jody Susan. Wednesdays, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, Health and Well-Being with Beata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. watching this, that means you're one of the 4.6 billion people from around the world who are using an electronic device to talk to people. In these times, people are using the Internet to talk to everybody. Friends, neighbors, family members, co-workers. People are on their cell phones and computers all day long. Now, if you're in business, that is great news. That means you can sell your products and services all day long and never have to leave your home. All you need is a media connection, somebody to connect you to an audience. And that's why I'm talking to you today. We produce programs, and our audience members are people who shop. They buy clothes, food, beauty supplies, cleaning supplies, home repair, transportation services child care services, whatever you're selling, they need to buy it. We're your media connection. Just follow this link, and tomorrow you can sit back and relax at home while your business is making you money.
open your mic and take your call. Okay. And we are looking forward to an invigorating discussion as we go to part two on this topic. We've been talking about housing, and last week we had some very helpful suggestions, and we've also (laughs) participated in some very invigorating conversations. Uh, Congressman Jonathan Jackson held a town hall meeting on Sunday, and there were, (laughs) of course, the place was packed, was at the South Shore Cultural Center, and people were very spiritedly uh, in disagreement with the inflow of migrants to their communities. And they were angry that the government found funds to help them and had never found funds to help the current homeless population. For our guest today, Cece Edwards, who has is joining us to share her experience in working with the Chicago Low Income Housing Trust, and Zoe Ma, who is a multi-unit business owner who's also had experience in housing the homeless and dealing with some of those challenges. They'll be joining us at the 7.30 hour to share some of their experiences and look at some of the pitfalls that have to be addressed in the document that we're presenting to the elected officials who could do as you had indicated or suggested last week, uh, some type of tax incentives, some type of assistance, uh, some type of financial support for those property owners that are willing to take a risk and house people who really have unknown issues and we don't know character-wise what could happen, but no human being deserves to freeze to death regardless of what their emotional state may be or their financial state may be. So that's our first premise. We must do the humane thing. If we've got empty housing units, then why are people living on the street and the people who own those units are not getting any money if they're empty? So we want to take a look at that. Definitely consider what is possible if people just have the will to help each other. So now you've had a, uh, you had a couple of, of points that you made last week that we wanted to explore. And I think uh, some of the programs that exist do provide some level of screening of people. However, if the, if the standard for being approved to go into an apartment is that you're currently employed, well, that that screens out a whole lot of people. Even the underemployed, um, even the underemployed are deserving of something, and if the rent is too high, for them to be able to afford to move into a place, then their minimum wage job isn't doing them any good if they're still outdoors. So there are some programs that will make adjustments and will allow them supplemental uh, rental units. However, there are a large number of people who don't have any income at all. And that's why they're homeless. So if they don't have access to any help because they don't have a job, then they're going to stay in that situation forever, which I've seen people who have been homeless year after year after year. Once you get in that condition, if you don't have some type of support, you can just be stuck. 
I've seen people raise families on the street for years. There's no way out. And they don't have family who will help them. They don't have family who is in a position to help. And it's a horrible existence. So we have to do something different. What if people don't have, and then, of course, some of the screening processes involve having good credit. Well, if you're homeless, you probably have horrible credit. That's why you can't get into a place, because your credit is shot for whatever reason. You lost your income. So they're not gonna they're not gonna have any good credit to be able to pass that test. And then if they've been uh, if they've been incarcerated, well, if they have a prison record and that knocks them out of getting a place to stay, so many of them the reason why they are homeless is because they can't pass a background check. And then you have People, well, if if the criteria for them to get into a place is that they have uh, that they are are perhaps having some level of emotional stability, well, maybe they don't. <laughs> maybe maybe they're on medication, maybe they've got some mental health challenges, but they still don't deserve to freeze to death. So how do you help the people who have problems, the reason why they're homeless? You can't treat them like they're everybody else and don't have any problems because they can't get into a place because they have problems. So this has to this has to be approached from a, a, a purely humanitarian perspective. People aren't being given housing because they're deserving and worthy and did all the right things in terms of never making any mistakes financially or, or uh, socially. They're being given housing because they're human beings and they should not be forced to freeze to death. That has to be the reason for this. Otherwise, they will stay stuck in this situation. So uh, before we get to the break and and uh, and take some and, and of course take some calls and share some of the information and some of the responses from these past meetings, these, these uh, town hall meetings. We had a very spirited city council session yesterday where they literally had to shut it down and, and take a recess until next week to deal with the question of whether Chicago should be a sanctuary city, because that's one of the reasons why they got all these people that have been uh, bussed into the city is because it's a sanctuary city, meaning that if someone is fleeing uh, as a refugee, they can come here. We're, well, there's an ordinance saying they're going to rescind that or, or remove that. And they were going to vote on it, and there was just so much upheaval. They had to they had to uh, adjourn the city council meeting, and they will be continuing it next week, next Thursday, I believe. So this is a very hot, a very very hot issue of high emotions and anger and belief that one community is being pitted against another, the, the Spanish-speaking community is being pitted against the non-Spanish-speaking community, the African-Americans against the immigrants, and, you know, all of this. My question is, can we simply house human beings who are living outdoors? It's about to be freezing in the northern cities, and they will not survive. So that's my question. So, Kareem, what are your what are your thoughts as we proceed in, in this process? Yes. Um, first, let me give a, a greeting to everyone. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be unto you and all of us. Praise be to Allah. Um, I watched part of the city council meeting that was held uh, out of Chicago. And uh, the, the population has some concerns 
that they would like to have uh, addressed. Uh, what do you think of the idea that, that they are all floating, that the citizenry should vote on the sanctuary city referendum, that the, the citizens of Chicago should vote as to whether Chicago remains as a sanctuary city or if that shall end, because in the end, it is the taxpayer that uh, pays the brunt of that cost. So they should have a say in that. And uh, at the same time, this is an issue of, uh, of housing, but also an issue of life and death. We all know Chicago is called the Windy City, and we don't mean just a breeze. I mean, it gets bone-chillingly cold, <laughs> excuse me, in Chicago. So people that are left outdoors are left to the elements, and uh, we hope that something can be done to uh, provide shelter for our our present-day citizens that are homeless and those that may migrate to the sanctuary city of Chicago. Uh, In all of our planning and uh, our statements, the number one question for me is, how will you fund that? We know the taxpayer is funding that at this time. Uh, So I believe the citizens of Chicago should have a, a say as to how their tax money is uh, allocated and uh, used, spent, you know, and used. So, and I, I, I know, I hope it don't morph into. Although I, I think I'm kind of late on this, I hope it doesn't morph into it, us against them, them against us. Uh, there is no other. Uh, we are all human beings, we, regardless to uh, what area of the earth we inhabit. We're all human beings, and uh, we we should have the uh, uh, in in our thinking the progress of humanity. So all all right, these people are coming from Central America, South America, but they are human beings. And I believe, uh, as I I stated earlier on an earlier broadcast of yours, that uh, the government, the United States, have opened its borders to some that are, are fleeing oppression or either they want economic relief. Send us your poor, your hunger, your huddled masses. Uh, that's a, a, a statement coming from the United States government. So to me, uh, the federal government should bear the responsibility and the cost of housing those that migrate to this country, and especially the citizens of this country should be provided adequate housing. This is not out of step for this country. It mentions providing for the general welfare, the general welfare of the citizenry. Well, housing, shelter, food, clothing, and shelter are three basics for the general welfare of the citizens. So um, uh, I'm hoping that uh, that uh, both subject matters, the, the migration and those that are homeless now, can be looked at as one, as one subject, as one matter, as one subject that must be addressed, not just the country of origin that you come from. And we've been here so long, and we have citizens sleeping on the street, which is a tragedy which is a tragedy, people sleeping on the street. and uh, So this is a, a major problem that not only Chicago has, 
L.A. has it. Uh, the city I live in has it. St. Louis has it. They are, are shifting homeless camps from one location to another. Uh, matter of fact, some of them set up camp right on the, the, in front of City Hall on government property. So this is a subject that uh, we must address because human lives are at stake uh, when it comes to, to providing adequate shelter for human beings. That's how I look at it. I'm not dividing it between the migrant and those that are here. I'm, I'm looking at it as the state of, of the human being. And uh, this government invited, they invite people to come here. So that's the voice of the federal government. And so these, these uh, financial burdens should not be just on the municipality that uh, the migrants or, or the homeless live in. Uh, so this will require, to me, uh, an all-out national effort. This is a national tragedy. Uh, so you never hear uh, at the national level where I haven't heard this being addressed, this huge uh, problem of homelessness, tent cities and stuff like that. I, I'm not hearing that coming from the Congress, the Senate. Now, I, I, I only have two sorts of ears, um, just maybe they mentioned it, but I haven't heard, I haven't heard this problem addressed at the national level. The problem is too large for any one city, for any one municipality to try and, uh, and uh, take on this challenge, take on this challenge. So if a city proposes to be a sanctuary city, I believe the citizens of that location, of that municipality, they have a right to have their voices heard. It, it should be... Uh, uh, I would say a vote it on because after all, it is our tax dollars that fund these efforts. So homelessness is a major problem, a major problem. Uh, and it's not just how New York is experiencing it. A lot of immigration into New York City, uh, Los Angeles is uh, experiencing it. Texas is experiencing it. So this is a national, a national concern. To me, it should be. But at the same time, people in their location have a right to voice their opinion concerning uh, this problem in the location that they live in. That's my take on it, that this should be a national referendum, a national effort to relieve homelessness. It's a shame. We, we, we should be embarrassed as a nation. I'm a, the richest nation on earth. And uh, there's hordes of, of people living on the streets in ramshackle tents, makeshift shacks, and stuff like that. But there's a lot of reasons that, that there's a lot of uh, reasons as to why that situation this, uh, and uh, a lot of times it's not the fault of those that find themselves homeless. You know, we, we sometimes we stereotype the homeless as all, oh, they're, oh, they're just drunk, all oh, they, oh, they have mental issues. Uh, no, we, we shouldn't do that. There are, 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 are responsible people that through no fault of their own, they wound up homeless. They ended up homeless. That was something that was done to them. They didn't do this themselves. So I believe that this should, should rise to the level of a national concern, this explosion of homelessness in the richest nation on earth. So that's my take on it, and I 
hope that uh, that this referendum is given a choice for the citizens of Chicago to vote on whether they want Chicago to remain a sanctuary city for uh, if the taxpayer that uh, that that uh, that that pays for those services. That's my take on it. I'm concerned uh, about what is happening locally, but also this subject should be brought to the national level. Well, uh, yes. Uh, Well, I definitely agree. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by our guest today, Cece Edwards, who has experience in the issue of working with homeless in a program that has been that has been successful to some degree. But we want to look at some of the the, the pitfalls that come with working with people who perhaps have some serious emotional issues, the reason why they're homeless. We're going to take a quick break and come back, and we'll also be joined by Zoe Mock, who is a uh, multi-unit building owner who's also housed homeless. And we're going to take a look at how to refine this document because next week we'll be talking to some of the city council representatives in the hopes that they will present this as a possible solution. We'll also be sharing this with our congressman, Congressman Jonathan Jackson. And we want the people to be a part of the process of creating a solution. It's not enough to just be angry and say, no, we don't want these people here. We have to have a solution. So we'll be right back after this quick break. So we invite you all to stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back after this brief break. So stay with us. Hi, I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're three black moms. And in case you didn't notice the resemblance, we're also three sisters. We're going to be coming to you every week sharing our successes and our mistakes as we navigate our lives as moms, wives, sisters, daughters, and, of course, black women in today's world. We'll talk about it all, race, politics, religion, economics, culture, and we'll take a look at everything from whether or not to use corporal punishment to how do you teach your children about sex. Look for our upcoming book, Growing Up Charles. It's a personal story about our lives growing up in Maple Park on Chicago's South Side. I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're Three Black Moms. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Three Black Moms. Female Solution Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, Self-Self-Care with Jody Susan. Wednesdays, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, Health and Well-Being with Beata. Saturday, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategy with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325. Press the to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. Do you worry about finances, family, health, jobs, 
relationships? Are you in pain? Do you feel stuck? If you answered yes to any of these questions, help is available. Don't worry, you're not alone. It's part of the human process. You only feel this way because you haven't mastered the voices in your head. No hype, just down-to-earth, solid, workable tools and techniques that you can practice daily. It's really food for the soul, whether you want to learn how not to worry about anything, reverse type 2 diabetes, publish a book, promote your product or service, or just make extra money. To take advantage of the deal of the day, go to zeldaspeaks.com or call 312-409-6619. Mention promo code The Female Solution and get free shipping. That's zeldaspeaks.com or 312-409-6619. Stop worrying today. Visit ZeldaSpeaks.com. And we are back. You're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. I'm Naima Latif, along with our co-host Kareem Hamid and our American Muslim 360 family joining us also as we explore of cooperative housing agreement. Is free housing for the homeless too risky? Or is that something we can actually create? Whether or not the city governments are able to move on this, and can the building owners, if given adequate support from other community agencies, be able to open up some of their empty apartment units for those who are currently sleeping on the streets. Can we do this? Well, we've got joining us, coming back from last week, Zoe Ma, who is an international businesswoman, uh, owner of multi-unit apartment buildings, and someone who has worked with the homeless and also we have joining us today Cece Edwards, who will give us some insight as we take a look at how the Chicago the Chicago Low Income Housing Trust program has worked and what are some of the things that we have discovered in the process of providing help to the homeless. So welcome to the show. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, good morning. We are so grateful that you all have uh, joined us to, to lend some of your experience. Uh, many people are afraid. They're afraid of the, the people who are homeless. Many of them get the stigma of being mentally ill, even though that may not be the case, uh, or drug addicts addicts, which may also not be the case, fell into hard times, uh, hard luck, and couldn't keep up rental payments. But before we get started, Cece, could you introduce yourself and tell us the, the, about the, the program you've been working with and what that involves, what are some of the ways that people who are homeless are able to get back into housing? What are some of the requirements? Tell us a bit about yourself and, and what you've done in working with that program. Oh, okay, fine. Um, as I said, I'm T.C. Edwards, and I'm a landlord. But I have a small um, landlord property, uh, two units, and they do work with two-unit buildings. They work, uh, the trust fund does work with one-bedrooms. They work with two-bedrooms, and they work with three-bedrooms. So um, my, my background, basically, as a landlord, and I have worked in social services for many, many years. So I do a lot of community work. Um, I am a member of Rainbow Push. I've been many for many years. And some of the things that Reverend Jackson talked about was the housing crisis among our, our young and older people in the city of Chicago. The, low, the Chicago Low Income Housing Fund, it was created back in 1989. And it does help very low-income residents, but the residents must make some income, Naima. Um, 
it's like below they have their, their gross income has to be below 30 percent of the, the what they call the metropolitan area median income or AMI. Now the trust fund does provide housing resources and they do it for uh, the poor, veterans, the disabled, seniors, and others living below that 30 percent uh, poverty level. But in order to be in the program, the landlord must take the reins because they are landlords. They work strictly with landlords, not tenants. The landlord is uh, given the opportunity to select their tenant. And then after you select the tenant, you do have to fill out quite a bit of paperwork, but it's not overwhelming, but it's just to make sure that the property is in uh, stable condition, um, that the property has no um, um, what they call foreclosure or in bankruptcy or that the property has been transferred to someone else and the owner doesn't really own the property. So those kinds of things have to be checked out before they will allow you in the program. And they only take so many. So you have to contact the program to see if they're taking new applications at this time. And one of the things that I did like about the program is that if the building owner decides they don't want to continue in the program, the tenant can look for another um, Chicago low-income housing trust fund building, and they can move into that building. However, they can only move into that building if the trust fund gives them a letter of approval, if their uh, rent, rental payments have been on time, and there has been no other issues in their lease of the management of the property. And then they can go from there. So I did like that part about it. And they do pay you um, on a quarterly basis. So they'll, they'll tell you what the dates are. And you have to send in a payment voucher to get paid because um, they feel that sometimes a tenant could move out and the building owner doesn't have the tenant anymore. So they have to make sure, you know, that they have the tenant in place and then they will pay uh, the rent for that tenant. And again, they decide how much the tenant pays based on the tenant's income. And I think I had here for a family of four people, the, they'll go to 35%, which is 36470 Uh For three people, it's 32830 So you just have to fall within that income threshold. You do have to, the tenant has to provide um, their uh, pay stubs, and you just send that in, and, and once you send everything in, they do have an inspection process. An inspection has to be passed in order for uh, the tenant to move in. Uh, no lead, that kind of thing. They give, you know, they give tenant rights um, information to the tenant. So it's a way, in my opinion, it's a nice way to combat homelessness, and they get the funding, you know, from uh, realtors and so forth, it comes through to this trust fund and through the assessor in some kind of way, and it comes there. So I think that's great, you know. And, and again, what's the name of the program again? It's called the Chicago Low Income Housing Trust Fund. The Chicago Low Income Housing Trust Fund. Yeah, and you can look it up online. You know, they have frequently asked questions there. Uh, they also will tell you, um, but I would call, you know, the phone number is there too. So I would call and just see if they are taking applications at this time. And this is only from landlords, not tenants. They do not work with tenants at all. The landlord has to uh, do the background check, supply the lease to the tenant, and that's all between the landlord and the tenant. If anything goes wrong, if the tenant does not pay their share, the program will allow you to uh, evict if you have to, you know. But hopefully you would have to because the, the amount is not market rate rent that they would have to pay. It's very sustainable. So this is a, a, is this a federal, state, or, or uh, local city program? The Chicago City Program. Okay, it's so definitely a local city program because when you go to their website, the City of Chicago logo is on there. Okay. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. but but you say that the requirement to qualify 
first of all, the person has to be employed. They have to they have to have some income. They can't be like exactly. Okay. They have to have some income, um, and it has to be below uh, that thirty percent threshold that that I read earlier. So you know, again, they do rent one bedroom. They do rent two, three. You know, four. They rent houses. They'll help you if you want to uh, move into a house. Um, you just have to have that that threshold income to do so. And then the landlord has to be willing to uh, let you do that. But it's guaranteed rent. I, you know, I'm in the program myself, and it's guaranteed rent. I've, I've had no problems, you know, getting my rent. So what was the process of, because you had to do the screening yourself of the, the, yes. the tenants, right? What was that process? Did you use a particular agency to do background checks? What kind of things did you have to do? Yes, I did. I did. I used uh, you know, a tenant, uh, um, a tenant background uh, search, uh, mm-hmm. and it's very thorough. You know, they they tell me not only their background, but they tell me if they're able to afford the rent based on their income and what I should be looking out for. Uh, they'll tell you if there's any evictions. They'll tell you if it's you know any criminal activity, behavior. You know, if there's criminal background that you should know about is in there. So it was it was very thorough, you know, and then the, the landlord is able to select. And if the landlord already has the process to do that, then fine. But the trust fund will give you a list of um, housing agencies, like cafeterias and so on, and, mm-hmm. you know, to work with. They give you that, and they say, you know, if you need to get tenants, you can get them from these um, housing agencies, and they give you that. So you have an opportunity to to use them as well. So I've observed uh, someone getting help through a program like this, you know, and they were someone who didn't have any kind of criminal background, uh, had some minimal income, I guess, you know, public assistance or whatever the case may be, uh, and they didn't have uh, any, any mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So they qualified, and I saw that process work for them. Mm-hmm. But I look mm-hmm. at so many others who maybe they've they've had evictions, they've had um, mm-hmm. criminal backgrounds. You know, they don't have an income. They wouldn't qualify for a program like this based on mm-hmm. what a, a, a landlord would be looking for as somebody they wouldn't have to worry about engaging in inappropriate behavior. Well, you do have to understand that they can, um, they can, they said they can uh, supply rental income to uh, 30% of the building. Mm-hmm. So whatever the building size is, they can supply. So if it's under six units, they can do all six. They can do all four, all mm-hmm. two, you know, one, whatever. But if it's over six units, they're only going to do 30% in all the right. building. Right. Okay, so you can't do every apartment in a large building uh, with a subsidy. Uh, but again, it's up to the landlord. If the landlord wants to, you know, take a chance of risk on, on someone, maybe their background isn't that, that terrible. Maybe, you know, just something like they were railroaded. I worked as a probation officer, and I know that a lot of our people are, are not given a fair shot when it comes to court hearings, and they get background attached to them that's not fair. You know, I know that people have challenges. They go through rough patches, and that doesn't make them a bad tenant. So you really have to, you know, do your due diligence as much as you can. I mean, nothing's perfect. It can always backfire, you know. Uh, but you, you do as best you can um, to select the candidate that you want to move into the building. Mm. And there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I can see that that would be helpful to a certain population of those who are homeless because of, you know, circumstances, maybe no fault of their own even. Sometimes mm-hmm. people end up homeless because the building owner's property was in foreclosure, and I know of, of a family who had to move out because they suddenly discovered that the building owner lost the the, the property. It was in mm-hmm. foreclosure, so that wasn't their fault. Um, and I think I want to add a note here in the AMA that I didn't cover, but it, there is eligible for nonprofit and for-profit 
owners of property. I thought that was very important because, you know, you could have a church owning a building. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'd be non-profit. Or you could have an organization owning, you know, rental properties and need to, you know, find a way to sustain their own, you know, payments to their mortgage company or whatever. And this is a program that will help the landlord as well as the tenant. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky I found it, you know, doing my research. I, I just happened to find it. It wasn't, it's not very well advertised. Because I guess they can only take so many a year. So you have to contact them directly and find out, is this the time period when they're accepting applications to mm. the program? Mm. I just got lucky all the way around, I guess. And um, they accepted me. Yeah. And you do have to pass that inspection. So, you know, once you pass the inspection, um, there's several documents they give to the tenant. And, excuse me, and the landlord. So you're mm. able to, um, you know, rent the property to someone of your selection. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, that, so I mean. Not Section 8, I'll tell you that. Not Section 8, which not, it, it's no, also. Not uh-uh. Yeah, Section 8. Not Section 8. Nope. That's another whole long mm-hmm. uh, bureaucratic process. Absolutely. So, so that, that could be helpful. So now we have with us, uh, someone who has a multi-unit building and has worked with having people who are homeless. Zoe Ma, uh, international businesswoman, thank you so much for joining us again as we look to hash out this document that could be presented to building owners. So, Zoe, based on what uh, Cece Edwards has said about the the – Chicago Low Income Housing Trust Fund, and that being something that people can take advantage of if they have income and a clean background, uh, and, of course, the, the landlord having to do the background checks and so forth or get an agency to do the background checks. What was your experience and what was the program or was there a program that you worked with in your building, you said, that housed some homeless people? Tell us about that experience. Well, um, actually, the building I own is not in Illinois. Uh, It's in in Wisconsin. So they, um, my property manager was working with a local agency, and then it's actually uh, the funding comes the state without that. So given Chicago situation, I think it's a little bit uh, different uh, because there's actually, what I see is there's not, uh, fighting homeless in Chicago is not government city, you know, city of Chicago's priority. Mm. And if they don't allocate the funds, then if you just, just rely on the good heart of landlords, that actually put a, a lot of risk on the shoulder of the landlord. I think it should be mm-hmm. a joint effort. The, 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 the city needs to put, take much more um, responsibility and take the risk of, away from the landlord to help with the, the homeless issue. 